What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 23, right here on Sifted Games. I'm Shane Satterfield, and this is Matt Kyle. It is. And we are here to take you through another awesome week in video games. Big announcements today. We're supposed to be big announcements from Apple today. Eh. Whole lot of build up to a whole lot of nothing, really, is what it True. amounted to. I mean, it's nice to see. Uh, Apple even mentioned games after so many, you know, for yeah. years they were like, no games, no games, no games. Yeah, they kind of shunned it for a long time, yeah. even despite all the rumors. I mean, there's been rumors swirling about them making a console for a long, long time. Now. Oh, yeah, I like, remember we, we made a skit about that. That's back, right. Back in the old, you know, old G4 days. That's the right. Box. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. No wires. It doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. <laughs> And so we've actually kind of got a console from Apple. It's sort of like a TV TV set top. I mean, it's a micro console. Sort of thing, yeah. Micro console. It looks like it's going to play mostly indie and like iOS games for yeah. the most part. I mean, it's basically the. I mean, that the new Apple TV is basically it's, it's a high end app store yeah. on a TV, pretty much um, with a fancy remote. Yep. And um, you know, it's 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 cool. Uh, I don't a know. waggle remote, by waggle the way. Remote. Yeah. yeah, there's um, waggle in there. The harmonics game look cool. Beat sports. Yeah, uh, look fun. Yeah, it's like Wii Sports played to music. Yeah, it's like exactly. a rhythm music and rhythm game that you play sports to. Yeah, you like basically <laughs> you're hitting a baseball, to, the baseball to, the beat. to the beat of the eighteen twelve overture. Yeah, which is, you know, <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, you know, like, harmonics does good. You know, harmonics typically is, they do good stuff. Yeah, you know, it's good for a for a party game. So, yeah. But I got, you know, will I buy it? I don't know. Then they get the new huge iPad. Yes, the Megapad. Which reportedly has a console quality graphics card in it. Yeah. Which I don't know how that's possible when it's like that. But I don't know what that thick. means. Yeah, right? I don't either, really. Is that thing going to get really hot? Because like, are they PS4 talking about. Pretty like, damn yeah, hot. Are they talking about like the N64? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, console could mean a lot of things. It could, yeah. You know? It could mean the console of your car. Yeah. Like, yeah, but, but it's like. I mean, I mean, obviously, that's like targeting kind of the the, the tablet sort of you know artist types, right? Because like, I mean, Steve Jobs said back in the day, you know, if, if there's a, if there's a stylus, we failed. And now there's a and stylus. Now there's a stylus, a yeah. hundred dollar stylus. Yeah. So everybody knows that you're, you know, you're cool with the official Apple hundred dollar stylus. Right. Which well, I mean, it is crazy though. It's got like these little like nano machines yeah. in like the tip of it. Like, yeah. Well, so like it knows like when you know, and other. I mean, other styles have done it where like it knows when you're drawing with it. Yeah. And it differentiates between the touch of the stylus and the touch of your hand. So if you put your hand on it to steady it, like it doesn't register your hand as like a big handprint. Yeah, I'm sure it'll do cool stuff. But yeah. as far as for our purposes and for the purposes of people watching Game Face. not a whole lot to talk about really. Not from yet. I mean, the Warhammer game looks good. Um, do we care? I don't. I don't know yet. You know? I mean, that's probably a good question to just ask in general right now. Do you care yeah. about Apple TV? Um, no, me either. Like, well, because <laughs> you don't care at all. Well, the whole time I kept watching it, I was like thinking, like, well, this is cool. Like all of the stuff they're doing is cool, but like they're sort of glossing over the fact, like, oh, look at this. Oh, she recommended this car- cartoon or recommended this TV show or. Or like this movie, and it's like, well, yeah, but you have to buy all those things, you know. It's, yeah. like, it's not like Netflix where you can just like see everything. Yeah, yeah. As you want. It's like, yeah, and even like when they pull it up, it'd be like already purchased. It's like, yeah, because you gotta buy all that. Yeah, there's no service like a Netflix a, on yeah, there. It's just a fancy store. Yeah. And then they showed that guilt thing, which was like, 
Really? You're showing like the, the store for like the 1% shoppers to like buy like a $800 sport coat is like your big five minute demo for the people? Yeah. Like that's not really the most populist angle to take on this thing if you're trying to revolutionize television. Yeah, uh, which I think that's probably a bit of a far reaching claim at this point based yeah. upon what we've seen. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, you know, one time they said they were going to revolutionize how phones work. And they were right. They were right, yeah. And so at this point, it's like, just keep saying it until it happens again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's pretty much Apple. We just wanted to talk about that briefly before we kicked off the show proper. Also want to mention that we have chosen the winner of our Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain uh, user blog competition. Beelzebub, I believe his name Beelzebub, was. Yep. Did an amazing job. So if you're watching this, Beelzebub, excellent work, my friend. Well uh, done, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, he, he did a really good job on his blog. You guys should uh, make sure you read it. It is the top story on the homepage right now. So congratulations. He's already got his code. I'm assuming he's already playing away. Mm -hmm. be interesting to see if he has the same impressions of Metal Gear as we do. Yeah, so fitting. I mean, Beelzebub could probably be the code name for someone in a Metal Gear game. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> All right, it's time to get to the meat of the show. Let's get to the big six. All right, Matt, so something's been brewing between... Long time coming. Marty O'Donnell and Bungie for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so basically what happened was finally the whole thing was settled. Marty O'Donnell won his court case against Bungie over a lot of nefarious stuff that happened with Destiny. And, uh, you know... Now that these court documents are out there, it is kind of a scathing indictment of what's going on over there because one of the things that really bothered me was if you really dig into those documents, there's a story that's told where Activision basically butted in at one point and said they were working on a trailer for Destiny. I think it may be the debut trailer, yeah, the, the first debut trailer. trailer yeah. And uh, Marty's music, which he had already made all the music for. Apparently, he's already made all the music for, like, all the Destiny games, yeah, like, like, ever. Yeah, front-loaded all his music for that, which is, like, seems like it would be very hard to no, do that. One. Two, it seems like it was a total setup. Oh, yeah. Like, they were already planning on trying to get rid of him, and they were like, oh, well, why don't you just make all the music for the next three Destiny games at once? Yeah. So we can get your ass <laughs> out of here, and we'll still have all the great music that we need. So... Anyway, back to that story. So they were getting ready to release the debut trailer for Destiny. His music was the bed for the trailer. And out of nowhere, Activision comes in and says, no, 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 no. This is the music that you're going to use for the trailer for this. And I guess Marty raised a stink about it and was like, they're messing with our, our art, artistic integrity and blah, blah, blah. I guess basically what happened was everybody else at Bungie sold out to Activision. That, I, I, if I really to sum everything up in that mm -hmm. court case is that... Everyone at Bungie sold out to Activision because they knew Activision was the mothership and that's where their raises and their bonuses and everything was going to come from. And Marty was the one guy who was like, no, no, no. Like, we started this company with like seven people mm -hmm. and these were the ideals that we started the company with and, you know, I'm not going to go back on those. Well, everybody else was like, well, I will. Yeah. <laughs> and well, which is amazing because it's, like, it's amazing that, they would, that Activision would do that to that trailer and Marty would be the only one with the to, problem with That's it. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's really an indictment on what has happened to that studio since it was first founded. And so... Marty really looks like the good guy in all of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, there were some reports that you know he had kind of become a malcontent and blah blah blah, which is kind of understandable. If you were yeah, like a founder I mean, of a company and you're watching it, the culture change at this company from what you envisioned it to be to become this other monster altogether. And yeah. So, and like, what do you? It's like I think it makes perfect sense that he would be 
reacting that you know, I know there was like reports in there about how like the audio team was saying he wasn't invested in the job and he was right. stopping them from doing their work or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well there's no specifics on that. It yeah. sounds a little vague. Well no, I mean it's, that's like, what I was saying, the malcontent part. Like right. you could apparently he had just so got fed weird. up and was like, like how do you like if you're Activision? Why do you do that with the music replay? Because like, you think you know best. You think you and know best. You have but, the power to do it. But at the same time, it's like you know, Marty. You know, he's one of the original seven Bungie guys, which is why seven pops. One of the reasons seven pops up in Bungie games all the time because right. there were yeah. seven of them. Yeah. Well, the original um, name of the company was called Seven Something, yeah. I believe. And like yeah. the and like he, you know, he's one of the remaining founders. He's done the music. I mean, Marty's music is the reason Halo. Like broke out to some degree. I think like, yeah, there's certainly some you know, credence to that. Certainly, it, it was a lasting thing because the land parties and the gameplay really worked. But like the fact that you booted up this game and it had that beautiful kind of ethereal, you know, serious music to it that kind of gave it that mythic feel. And like whereas every other first-person shooter at the time was just that kind of like that brainless butt rock at well, the think about title it, screen. Look at it this way: every time I think about Halo, in my mind, I hear the music while I'm seeing the game playing yeah. in my mind. Yep. And I can't think of another game that's like that. Whenever I think about it, I hear the music in my head while I think about it. I mean, um, that just shows you... The original Mario Brothers. Yeah, I guess. Or Donkey Kong, <laughs> one, one I think, you know... Yeah, I think of Donkey Kong. Like, right. But in terms of, like, the modern game, I think he... You know, that has got to be the most iconic soundtrack of that era. Yeah. And, and uh... Yeah, and so how does, like, like it's in your best interest, even if you're Activision and you know better, it's got to be in your best interest to keep that guy happy. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, just let him have his... It's like, has Marty O'Donnell's music sunk a video game? No! Has it ever been a detriment to no, the success of a No, it has never been a bad video thing. Game? So why wouldn't you want... At the very least, if I'm making that decision, I'm like, well, what if we play this and everyone who loved Halo and is waiting for Bungie's next game is like, where the fuck is the Marty O'Donnell music? Yeah. You know, like, because I certainly said that. Well, I think the, the one thing he was worried about was that people would think the music that was in that trailer was his music. Right. And so he went on Twitter and was like, hey, this isn't my music that they're using. And then it got really dirty where they thought he was going to try to sell the the whole soundtrack, the soundtrack to Destiny yeah. and Part of the the settlement was he had to give them back a CD. Like, he couldn't have burned, (laughs) like, 50 other CDs. Like, it just got really petty. And what shocks me the most is that Activision's lawyers and even just the people that sort of rounded this whole thing up at Activision didn't have the foresight to realize all this was going to come out. Yeah. There's a thing called the Freedom of Information Act. And, like, when you do something like this, all the details are coming. And then the crazy part, too, is that, like, all this other stuff has been leaked. Yeah, like, a lot of interesting stuff about Destiny. Oh, yeah. Like, it was supposed that Destiny 2 is supposed to be out by now. They completely reworked the story at the last minute. Um, what, there was, like, four other Bungie games that were, yeah. like, unveiled in, like, the court documents. Like, holy cow, man. Yeah, and like, the whole timeline of, yeah, when they originally signed the, the contract, it was, like, a totally different idea. And, like... And all because Bungie yeah. wanted to take, like, his stocks away from him. He was yeah. a company founder. Yeah. How could you even think that that's right? Like, they just got so greedy mm-hmm. over this whole or thing. Or that it was going to work. Yeah, like, it's like, insane. Like, I just can't believe Activision acted that way. Like, not even just because all, you know, I thought they were better than that. Like, no, I don't look at it that way. I thought they were smarter the stupidity. than stupidity. Yeah. yeah, it's just unreal, man. I cannot believe how they shook Especially out. after the Infinity Ward stuff. It's like, yeah, if there's yeah. one thing you should have learned is like, don't screw with your devs. Yeah, like, don't screw and, with the people who have actually created the IP. Yeah. Because when you go to court, the judge is going to side in the favor of the person who created this thing that you're making all your money off of. So, yeah. man... They're learning some hard lessons again. Like, yeah. I just can't even believe that it all shook out this way. And but it's just like, if you've ever met Marty O'Donnell, I met him a couple times, and it's just like, 
just talking to him, you know, it's like, don't fuck with this guy. Yeah, like, he, he, he is about who he is and what he gets and what he wants, and he's like, he's no nonsense about yeah, that Yeah, I will say one thing about that guy is that he's one of those people that was not what I expected him to be when I met him. Mm-hmm. Like having just listened to his music and, <laughs> yeah. and like read interviews with him, like I thought he'd be this like really mellow, like kind of chilled out dude. Oh no, man! He, he wants to, he wants to have a beer and argue with you about politics. He like, does. He's a, he's, a, yeah. he's a fun. He's a fun. He's a fun guy to to hang out with at these events. I don't even know if I would call him fun, man. Like, I enjoy. I it. honestly, in the time I spent with him, I could actually see where he might rub some people the wrong way, yeah. and where at, over time, if you had to work with him, like you, you maybe get to a place where you're like, yeah. You know what? I wouldn't mind if there was another composer working here, but that's not how you go about doing things like that. True. Is how they went about it. So but it's also like you know, I don't care how annoying someone is if they're a genius and you need him for need yeah. him for their for that let creative him work. work. From home. Yeah, you dude, you're just making music. Like, yeah. let him sit at home in his studio and make it there. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. So but, anyway, I, I think we're both in agreement though that we're glad that Marty won his case. Yes, absolutely. Deservedly so. And we're also glad that hopefully Activision is learning a hard lesson about how to deal with one of its studios and its creatives who actually create the IP that they're making literally boatloads of money on. Although you think they would learn that with Call of Duty. So mm. what are you going to do? Marty just started his own studio. No harm, no foul. Yeah. He got all his stock back. High wire? He's a, yeah, yeah, he's a very rich man again. So Well, good. Cause yeah, I, he deserves I've, it. I've been a Bungie fan since the old Mac days uh, when you know Marathon won and, and all that stuff. And I still remember booting up the demo of uh, Marathon 2 after downloading it all night because 50 megs was a lot yeah. on the 36, 33K modem. Yeah. And, uh, and that music starts, you know, that kind of like marathon yeah. thing starts up. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Like, this is great. And, like, <laughs> and like you know, his, all his music has really defined in the myth games and how, he, yeah. you know, that made those games just, you, you know... RTSs, they never. There was never a despairing real-time strategy game before then. But like with Myth and his music, it really felt like, oh my god, like we're gonna lose this war. Like, yeah, no, like yeah. even if I win every <laughs> level, we're gonna die. Like there's no, And it was yeah. just like this different feeling, and it really, really worked. It was such a good. He's such a good composer, and he really nails the feel of the game before you even start playing. Yeah, so I'm really right. glad he he came out on top on that. Yep, agreed. So our next topic, I think, is maybe a little more positive than what we just talked about. So in this day and age of, here comes a game announced, everything's been preceded to the press, the trailer's ready to go, they push the button right after the stage show's done, and they have somebody on their social media channels tweeting out screenshots, and somebody like retweeting, and, and all this that goes into announcing new games these days, Matt. Finally, we have an instance where somebody just straight up kicked it old school and just told a journalist about a game. And that game is Pikmin 4. Eurogamer apparently was told that the game was almost finished like months ago. Eurogamer sat on this news for months waiting for Nintendo to give kind of the go-ahead to report it or whatever, which... I don't know about how I feel about that. Yeah, that's a whole other story we could talk about. (laughs) But, so now they have, they got the okay, they have now announced that Pikmin 4 is not only just in development, but basically finished. The game was started on the minute Pikmin 3 was shipped, according to Miyamoto. And so, one, how do you feel about this, Matt? I mean, do you like Pikmin? Yeah, I like Pikmin. I, uh, actually, I was, when I was up for that wedding a few weekends ago, the, uh, the Motel 6 we were in was in, this, in, this, in a mini mall with a GameStop. 
in Ukiah, California, and we went across and looked, and they had a used copy of Pikmin for fifty bucks. The first out Pikmin. Of, Pikmin three. Pikmin three. Because it's out of print. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I might not see this again, even though I don't know Wii U yet. So, yeah. So I bought it. That was a good idea. And uh, I'm like, because I, I know I want to play. I, I like Pikmin. Like something about that game and the cleanness of it. Really, I enjoy it, and it really makes. I mean, I, I get neurotic about it because I feel really bad when my Pikmin die. Because I get that attached game, to them. The, but... That series stresses me out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's the, the the juxtaposition of it all is that it's also very relaxing, like mm-hmm. in this odd kind of like nurturing way. Yeah. Like there were times that, like when I review that game, like like while I'd be at work during the day and I'd, I'd be thinking about playing Pikmin three at night, I almost <laughs> dread it. I'd have this weird like subconscious thing where I'm like, I really don't want to go home and play it. But then as soon as I'd sit down and be like, well, I have to. It's my job. Two minutes into it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I'm not yeah. even thinking about like, But it's so weird. It's like how that level of stress that it creates in you almost deters you from wanting to play it at times. So mm. we're both in agreement we like Pikmin. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really like them. I end up playing... I've played all of them. Mm-hmm. I've played pretty much all of them in one sitting or in a couple sittings. Like, I tend to blast through them because I get really addicted to them and get into them. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though, Matt. So Pikmin 3, at this point, has only sold a million... Co- less... Just less than a million copies worldwide. How much did like the others sell? They sold more they than that. They sold a little more. The first Pikmin sold two or three million, and then the second one sold about half of that, and like mm. the third one sold a little less than the second. So it's not an upward trajectory for the franchise. Is this smart of Nintendo to have dedicated? <sighs> Because look, probably not. It was. Think about it. It's one of those things where, like, oh, that was bad, but I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah I don't know. But think I also about... think it's, I, it's, you know, it's been pretty clear from the beginning that the Pikmin thing is is one of Miyamoto's pet. Sure. Yeah. Things. It's his pet it, project. It's based on his garden. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, clearly he he enjoys it, and it's a, it's something that he wants to work on and wants to have out there. You know, he's trying to make fetch happen <laughs> with with the yeah. Pikmin thing, I guess. But um, so on one hand, I think it's cool that they, that we're going to get more Pikmin. But on the other hand, it's like in this time of of desperation, <laughs> which Nintendo finds itself and short, firmly seated. yeah, and short handedness. Yeah, maybe a new Metroid or something or, with a little more, ver- or just finishing Zelda or anything. You know, I mean, think about I mean, it. I don't know their internal structure, but it's like continuing to throw. I mean, I don't want to say good money after bad, yeah. but it's like... That's really what it is. It's though. just that downward trend of like, you know, is Pikmin 4 really going to make any eyeballs pop other than the people like us who already like Pikmin? Right. I don't know, you know, but they, but it's also kind of like their holiday I mean, it lineup. could have some revolutionary feature that never know. does ingratiate it to a new audience, Maybe but chances of, that, I'm, right, chances of that, I'm guessing, are really slim. Probably like, not huge. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of where they've sort of settled right now. Is like, You know, you've got Xenoblade Chronicles X, you've got... Fatal Frame, you've got even Star Fox is kind of B list, yeah, you know, a little bit. But it's all there for people, you know, for the people who love that stuff. Like it's a great holiday season, you know. I think it's just basically these are all olive branches to fans, a little bit, that, so that they don't totally abandon Nintendo. And it's better than the nothing, NX. and they're holding those big guns back for the NX. I think that's what you know. But think Mario that's Maker like is the probably last the last year thing. and a half of that console's life span, like. How badly it could have used a AAA Nintendo game. Yeah. While this was being built behind the scenes, like well, I ha- think it was a ter. Look, I love Pikmin, as we established when we started talking about this. But it was a terrible idea to make Pikmin Four. Like, not not now. You know, maybe I don't even later. Know, like, 
maybe next generation of consoles yeah, when like you have more cool power. Off. Like, yeah. I mean, your audience has spoken. There's mm-hmm. 10 million Wii U's out there at a 10% attach rate, which isn't that bad, really. But was that just because there was nothing else available for the console? Like, what percentage yeah. of sales were that? You know, if it had Some a driving third party. But there's like, you know, Nintendo seems to kind of have this a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to pick. Maybe because Miyamoto's so fond of it, where like, you know, even the first two didn't burn the charts up totally on the GameCube, but they did get Wii updates. You know, they did get Wii re releases with the motion controls and all that. Like, you know, I feel like. I think that, that's them trying to get their investment back. Yeah. A little <laughs> like, bit. But also, like, it made sense to, you know, motion controls make sense with that game, and it also was probably one of those things where once you sell, like, 50 million Wiis, you're like, well, let's release Pikmin and see if that catches fire, which it didn't. Yeah, Because everybody was just playing Wii Sports over and over again. Yeah. But, um, you know, I I feel like there's probably a more constructive way they could have used their time and money, but I will still buy Pikmin 4. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mean, I'll buy and play it too, but, you know... We're being selfish. Right. And we're just basically right. talking about ourselves. We're not talking about... But that's Nintendo kind of how games. Nintendo's... I feel like that's a Nintendo fan thing right now. Is like everybody's kind of got their selfish thing they want out of Nintendo. And, and most uh, would probably say Metroid. Yeah. And a lot of it... You know, even Metroid is not a sales burner, no, really. You know? Not. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's all Mario and Pokemon. And essentially, even Zelda like Zelda's not it on the level. It sells. It's it totally sells. Big budget for sure, but, but it's also not Pokemon or Mario. I mean, yeah. Pokemon and Mario are in a class by themselves. Well, even 3D Mario doesn't sell like Gangbusters. I mean, true. That, I mean, that should have been that should have been one of the big, uh, I think, red flags with like Mario Galaxy is, um, you know, it sold what? It was like 10 million or something like that. And, and like, at that point, there were like a hundred million Wii's. It's like when you like when you only have like that attach rate for the you know one of the probably the best reviewed Mario game in how many years? You gotta wonder like, are people even buying the software at that point? I don't even know if uh, Mario Galaxy sold that many. To Maybe be not. With you. I don't know. I don't remember what the numbers for that were. But I just remember seeing those numbers at the time and being shocked that that game only sold that many copies on a system with that install base. Yeah. And to me, that, I mean... I mean I, you can say that about a lot of Wii software for yeah. Nintendo. Well, I think I am... I will never know, because Nintendo will never tell us, but I'm sure I would bet money that if you like were able to somehow survey it, about half the Wiis that were ever sold never played anything except Wii Play and Wii Sports. Yeah. It was just a set-top toy that no one... You know, that Grandma or whoever bought and, like... They played bowling a bunch, and then that was it. They, yeah. you know, it did not move Nintendo games for it's them. Not gonna, it never moved games the way the PlayStation 4 is going to eventually no. move games. Well, never, because never you, even... you think about the fifth or sixth year of the PlayStation 4's lifespan, yeah. it is going to be shoving software. Like... Well, it never moved games the way uh, even the Nintendo 64 did. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Nintendo 64 didn't have a huge install base, but a lot of, you know, you could count on that install base to buy the quarterly Nintendo game. Yeah. You know, the ban- those Banjo games sold. Donkey Kong 64 sold. Like, that yeah. stuff, you know, it burned up the charts when, when it When, when it, it finally was released, yeah. yeah. But and I think the software drought may have been even worse on the N64. That's, well, <laughs> my, well I think the difference, the difference for me pre-Wii was that every quarter, you know, Nintendo only released something like about once a quarter, but I was yeah. interested in everything they released. And then the Wii, beginning with stuff like Wii Music and Wii Fit, like suddenly, it. a couple quarters of the year, I wasn't you didn't interested care, anymore. Yeah. So now you're down. I was down to like two Nintendo games a year. Yep. And that was that was a problem. Yeah. And they've kind of continued that trend with the Wii U, sadly. So, 
I guess both of us happy there is going to be a Pikmin 4, yeah. but for the financial health of Nintendo, probably not the best idea. Oh, any guess on which console it's going to be available for? They haven't I'm, announced it. I'm going to say both. Yeah, it's kind of guy has to be, I, isn't it? I think. But that's also a little discouraging looking at the NX because, you know, we've, yeah. we've been saying that with Zelda for Wii U as well. It's probably well, going to be I, one of those dual releases. I think Zelda is going to be NX, period. Exclusively. I don't think it'll be on the Wii U. Why? Because I think the surest way to make sure that all the people that felt screwed over by the quick move from the Wii U to the NX uh, to get them to buy an NX is to put Zelda on it exclusively because everyone will complain. But we're all still going to buy that game, that system to play the Zelda game. Yeah, it's mean. But the I mean, thing they could have done it with the Wii. Yeah, they didn't. but they didn't. But I think um, they weren't as in, des- in dire straits on that, you know. And like, it was kind of a reward to the GameCube people that didn't want to quite upgrade yet. Right. But now I think they need this new system to the be Wii there. The Wii U selling worse than the GameCube yeah. by a wide margin. Worse than the Dreamcast. Like they need to double the sales of the Wii U before they send it off to pasture for it to mm-hmm. match the GameCube. And that's why I'm think about that. And that, well, and that's what I'm saying. If I'm if I'm thinking in ruthless mode, if I'm thinking in survival mode, yeah. Um, put Zelda only on the NX as a launch title. You're gonna piss off a lot of people that were expecting it on the Wii U. They bought, but the number of people you're going to piss off who are own the buy Wii it U anyway. but don't buy it anyway, <laughs> the people who like refuse to do yeah. that is gonna be near zero. Yeah. So, because because you're also dealing with people that bought the Wii U, a lot of your core fan base, and like you can piss. Well, as off long your... as it's really good. Yeah, but I mean, you could piss off your, the core fan base as much as you want, but they're still going to follow you to the next Zelda game. Yeah. You know, so like it's mean, and it would be a really kind of a shitty thing to do. But Twilight also... Princess wasn't a huge seller, by the way. No, it wasn't. It sold well again, well enough to rationalize the budget they spent on it. But I still wish I bought the GameCube version. That's yeah. Stupid. I should have bought the GameCube version. Well, I wasn't even talking about Twilight Princess. I was talking about. Uh... Skyward Sword. Oh, Skyward Sword. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, Twilight Princess sold great. What did What did Skyward Sword sell? Like three, three million, three million? something like that. Yeah, I didn't like that one very much. I actually didn't enjoy it as much as most Zelda games. I mean, I reviewed it for Game Show, so everyone can see my review of it there. But it was still a really good game. There was just it felt like an old game. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like that was the Zelda where I was like, okay, a lot of the things that you're saying were decisions, like the mumbling and the talking, like. That was fine in the prior games when they didn't try to make it seem like there were conversations between the characters. <laughs> but then, like, in Skyward Sword, they had to have, like, the flappy jaw at one point, and that yeah. was, like, the deal breaker. I was like, all right, like, yeah, it's yeah. time to move on. And, like and, and, for you, and also for Zelda games to be judged fairly against other games in a genre that aren't Zelda. Because yeah. other games will get dinged for stuff like that. And so, you know, I felt like Zelda needed to get dinged for it at that point because the rest of the industry had moved on. And anyway. I must have gotten you some good email. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, people really love that review on GT for Skyward Sword. Oh, boy. All right, well, it's time to move on to the next topic. And this one is sure to invoke a little furor from Langer. Matt Kyle. Yeah. From me, too. And we're talking about the Deus Ex Mankind Divided pre-order program. Yeah, very uh, very look, apt title. Look, before Mankind we divided. before we flare, one thing I do <laughs> want to say is is that it is a good idea. In theory, I can, yeah, I can see why that was thought of as a good idea in the meeting. In theory, yeah, the execution is where <laughs> where it falls flat. So basically, how it works is that the more people that pre-order. Deus Ex Mankind Divided, the more it's kind of like a Kickstarter. Yeah, and then, it like, unlocks reward, tiers. It unlocks like tiers of like pre-order bonuses. So basically, it's like a crowdfunding 
pre-order program, yeah. and then everybody who does it gets better stuff yeah. for doing but it. But then on each tier, you have to pick right. which bonus you get. So, right. lot, so even people who are okay with the tier system are like, well, wait, I want all three tier one things. Like, no, you got to pick one. Right. And then like the tier two is like, I think it's like an exclusive level or like a digital soundtrack. Right. And people yep. are like, but I want the level, but I also want the soundtrack. And so, or you can pay $150 for the collector's and edition. Get and get everything. Right. And... Yeah, it really is like a Kickstarter, isn't it? It is. That's really what it is. <laughs> but like, the I, real kicker oh. though is four days early. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I Top mean, that's really the big thing. Is like, if enough people pre-order the game, they will release the game four days early, which is just all bullcrap anyway. Even the physical version? I believe so. Wow. Or no, no, I think it's digital only. Yeah, okay. digital only. Like, you would put in a code or whatever, and then you would get the digital version of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess after, if you pre-order it, you would be able to get it the four days earlier on digital. So, you're, like, separating. You're, like, creating this, like, haves and have not thing. You're also basically, like, there's nothing to it. Like, releasing something four days early is not a big deal. It's like no. you're basically just flipping a switch on a server somewhere and saying, yep, you can get it now. <laughs> Boom. Like, yeah. <laughs> we could have released it two weeks early, but we don't care. You know, it's like, I, I, like the thing about the pre-order thing is, is. You I know, mean, for, first of all, I hate pre-orders. Yeah, well, for years I refused to pre-order. I, w- I was like, I would, I, you know, you don't get my money because you know they get your money and then they're making interest on that money, yep. but, you know, for months before you get the game. And I'm like, you don't get it until you know whatever. You know, I would, I would go in the day of and buy it, and usually there was a couple extras. And eventually, you know, as the industry expanded, that ceased to be possible. Like you, you know, sometimes you'll walk in for the hot new game now, and they literally only got enough to cover pre-orders, and that's it. You know. I don't think that's true, though, man. Like, I, I don't think there's really any... Unless you want the swag. Yeah. There's really no reason to pre-order. I have not... I can't remember the last time I went to a game store on a game's launch day, and there weren't copies for... Enough copies for everybody. Actually, the, the day... These days, if I pre-order, it's because I don't want to forget it's coming out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you get that, I'll like, order, phone call I'll, from the game store? Yeah, that or, like, Amazon. I order on Amazon, and, like, a package will show up. I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh, oh Fallout yeah. 4. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. I order for some of the swag from like if I go to GameStop, it'll be because I want one of the pre-order bonuses. Right. Um, and they've gotten better about a lot of. It that used to stuff. be just a poster. Yeah, but like, well, it's <laughs> also like poster. I mean, they've gotten better about you know things are at midnight. It used to be that stupid yeah. midnight launches, and they were like total chaos. And now they figured out kind of the the, you know, the group system, and now they they go on sale at nine here at Pacific time because yeah. they go digital live on mid, at midnight Eastern, so everybody wants everything at the same time. So that so it's it's gotten better, but. Um, like the pre-order thing, you know. There's, you also get if you pre-order, you also get like an extra level that yeah. that everyone else can't play, and the tra- they put out a separate trailer just for that level, and the level looked like pretty extensive. Like, yeah, it wasn't just like a fetch quest like mission that you go on that lasts for like five minutes and then it's gone. Like it looked like a pretty substantial chunk of game. Yeah, which short short circuits kind of the the usual way I rationalize out the pre-order because like. In-game pre-order stuff, for the most part, it's like, have you ever gotten anything that was useful more than like an hour and a half into the game? It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, get this special gun, and it's just like, oh, this gun is one tick better than the thing you start with. Yeah. You find something better like in the first second level, and, and you forget and about you that. Forget weapon. about the pre-order yeah. thing forever. And or like, it's always cosmetic. It's yeah, like cosmetic a hat or, or like cape or yeah. something that you get in-game. Yeah, or or it's too much, or it's like you know, like I think Forza Six. I'm looking at all the pre-order stuff for that, and you get, there's like 15 different cars you can get. That's a big 
where and what you pre-order. And I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. It also gets too confusing after yeah. a while. Or like all the you know the Ubisoft games, people always work up that you know the big spreadsheet of like you know what's in what box versus which place you pre-order and what store has this. And I mean, at some point, you're just like, I'll just see you when it's 19 bucks. You yeah. Know? Like, but uh, this thing is a. Li- it's, I mean, I get why people are kind of reacting badly to it because it it feels insidious. It does. Even even if it's maybe not in the end, but like there's a there's like a there's like this weird thing about you know you're already in this the industry is already kind of like obsessed with this pre-order thing of like give us your money before we give you the product. Yeah. Which like. That doesn't really happen in a lot of other industries. Like really, any- anything. <laughs> like I mean, you got to pre. You know, Only games. You got to order tickets for things earlier, but it's like at no point do you have to like, okay, well, give us, uh, give us your money now, and we'll get that car to you in November. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's not really how it works. No. And and so there's kind of that feeling like, why should I give you my money now just to make sure I get a a mass release retail product the day it comes out? Like, why shouldn't you just order enough? To, to and then, you, then you really start thinking down the road, and when they put out like the definitive edition or whatever, yeah. all that stuff's going to be in it, yeah. in it anyway. So, so, and I know there's people that you know, people that very intentionally did, especially with like Arkham Knight. There's a lot of people I know that wait. They're like, no, we're going to wait for the game, game of the year edition, which includes everything, and that's probably smart. But I'm a big impatient gorilla, so yeah. I'm terrible at, at doing that. Well, it's funny too because like if you look at this story on Sifted, like at the top. People are like, oh my god, this is insidious. I can't believe this. this is the lowest of the low. <laughs> you keep scrolling down, someone's like, oh wow, I just pre ordered. <laughs> because, you know, it does kind of depend on your perspective on how you take something like this. You could look at it like it's awesome. Like, oh my gosh, I get to pick what's in my collector's edition, basically, or mm-hmm. my whatever rewards I'm getting instead of just having to take what I'm given. But then you really start thinking about like the psychology that's going on, and then the money that's changing hands, the interest that's made off of it, and the whole pre-order culture in general, and how it squeezes out like worthy games out of retail that should have shelf space, but they don't because so many people pre-ordered mm-hmm. Deus Ex, and so it squeezes out one of the little guys and keeps those games from being exposed to people who may really like them, and maybe expands their horizons, and they start yeah. liking different genre like. It's really starting to divide mankind. Yeah, exactly. Gamer kind (laughs) divided. Exactly. And then there's just like the whole haves and have not thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, if you pre-order, then you're like, you're elite. And then Shane, (laughs) who just stumbles into the store on launch day, well, here's your game. Like, you don't get any of this other cool stuff. It... I don't know. No, you don't get the shiny cover. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's only going to get worse because, yeah. especially if something like this takes off, like I haven't looked at any of the stats to see like how many people have pre-ordered and like how many tiers they've unlocked at this point or anything. But, if it, you know, the game is still like six months away. It comes mm-hmm. out like late February or whatever. So there's a lot of time. But, you know, if this becomes really successful, you know they're going to repeat it. Yeah. You know Square Enix will repeat it. You know other publishers will repeat it. I mean, look, it's one of those things that happens in a meeting where people are like, oh my god, that's like the best idea we've come up with in like six months, and then... You'll go far here, Johnson. But then you have like the skeptical guy who comes into the office the next day and is like, hey, wait a minute, I thought about a couple... Too late, it's already in motion. (laughs) And then that's corporate America. Kill him. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or at the very least, fire him. So... It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Like I said, as far as like the sifted users, they all seem kind of split down the middle on whether they think it's a good idea or a bad idea. But generally, that's the kind of type of stuff that fosters great discussions. So, and really, that's what they want more than anything. Yeah, exactly. People talking about it. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, look. So well played. Mission Square accomplished. Because yeah. here we just spent ten minutes or whatever talking about it on Game Face. So, 
it is what it is, but yeah. still a worthy topic of discussion, I feel. I think so. And, and as, as the trend continues, I think we'll see it more and more. Especially if it's, like you said, if it's, if it's successful and people react more positively than negatively to it, I'm sure other people will follow suit. Well, I guess a good part of it, too, is that eventually... And wait till, wait till Final Fantasy XV goes up for pre-order, people. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Well, the good part of it is that eventually it could um, morph into something that everybody likes. Yeah. Because any new idea, it, there's always going to be people who hate it. But once you get the feedback from it, you can kind of figure out where the bad parts are and kind of get rid of them and figure yeah. out how to work around them. So. Actually, the, the game, Square Enix's game that would really rock that idea would be Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Because any, you, can, you can stock those tiers... With any kind of like Disney paraphernalia to slap on oh, right. Sora's outfit or whatever, yeah. like the whole—I mean, wow. Yep. Wow. They could work it for sure. Goldmine. All right. So I know we already talked about Destiny a little bit earlier, but really it's more about Bungie. But we are going to bring it back around because Destiny is, first of all, is a game that I played at launch until it was pretty much I was at the end, mm-hmm. and then I played the multiplayer a little bit and kind of fell out of love with it. I don't know if I was ever in love in the first place. Maybe that's the wrong choice of words. But there are big changes that just launched today. So Destiny 2.0, I guess is what they're calling Year two. it. Yeah. Year 2, 2.0, whatever, launched today. And people mm-hmm. are having crazy problems like with downloading it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The reason, another reason I haven't gone back to Destiny is because it has become, for me personally, like very confusing. And I've said it on the show before. Like I really don't even understand what's going on in the game anymore. But Matt, you have continued playing the game. And so you have a good understanding of wow. how everything works. I haven't played it in months. but uh, You played it after I played launch. It, I, play, I played it for, <laughs> I mean, I, I probably put 200 hours in okay. it. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'd I, say you're pretty qualified to talk so, about it. Yeah, so I haven't played the, whatever, the, ex, the expansions that came out, even though I bought the, again, I bought the stupid collector's edition, and so I got those for free, but I never went back, because at a certain point, I, you know, I spent like two weeks trying to grind for the right stuff to up my light level. You know, right. I'm a forever 29. You know, yeah, I never got to level 30 because it never was nice enough to drop the stuff I needed. For right, that. right. And so, so I just kind of stepped away from it. You know, I was just like, I was like, well, at a certain point, you have to stop wasting your time every night. And yeah. now, like, you know, the, the changes to 2.0, I think, are really going to pull, try and pull me back in. It took me six something hours to download the update yesterday, and then after it was finally done at like one in the morning. Uh, I tried to log in and the servers weren't working, so I have not played the year two content yet. But the, all the stuff in there looks really good. I mean, you're, you're going to be able to get. What to are lo- the biggest changes that you feel like are going to impact it the most that might get you back to playing? Well, what's going to get me back into playing? Uh, uh, three main things. Your your level is now determined by experience points, not the light thing. The light thing is a separate Which rating. Which was completely now. confusing and yeah, it was not well explained. And obtuse and, and it was too, and it was too beholden to the random number god. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like your character progression should not be tied to random drops. Random drops. Yeah. And so now the light rating is going to be a separate thing from your level, and it's still going to rate your the quality of your gear and like what you've got. But it's not going to be totally tied to your character's progression in that in in other respects. So that's better. So I'm like, okay, the fact that I will always be making progress of some kind when I log in is already better for me. Yeah. Uh, 
they're changing how the quest system works completely. So like you know, there's more faction quests. You know, faction quests like you know have a little, have a little like a little more narrative to them supposedly. Uh, you know, you can go to these like little kiosks and like redo missing quests or like you know you're supposed one of the key things for like you know because now you can get to level 34 through experience points rather than light leveling. Right. So one of the things you're supposed to you know that's recommended you do when you first log into the new version is you go to the kiosk and you can do all these like kind of. Uh, you know the, the kind of the old style, um, uh, uh, you know, quests at the home base kind of. I can't remember what they called Citadel or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and you can go run around and just do like these, those little like talk to people quests, get right. a little more XP and work your way. Because once you get, to, you know, you're supposed to like get to 34 and then like sort of almost max your reputation level so that when Taking King goes live and the cat goes to 40, you can just turn a bunch of shit in. Now, and Taking jump King up. goes live in a week. Yeah. So, so <laughs> this is like, like you got a week to get used Tuesday, to this. Yeah. And then the other thing, of course, is they have sort of they've, they've doubled your vault space, your inventory vault space. That's great. And you and all your shaders and everything can go. They go in like these kiosk display things, so like you don't have to worry about having enough room for your explain sh- shaders for. So people. armor shaders are um, in the game. You have these armor shaders, and they're basically different coloring schemes you can equip to your armor. So it kind of personalizes, customizes your armor color-wise a little bit. And the problem with the old version was that, like, they took up inventory space, so there was only so many shaders you could own. So, like, people wanted to collect them all, so now there's, like, a specific place with all the shaders you've collected and all the shaders you don't have yet, and you can go just go up to the thing and, like, you know, pick, like, this shader, and that'll color your armor, and you don't have to worry about inventory space, and it's all cool. Right. Um, so, basically, it's... I mean, there are people who would say that now the game works the way the game should have worked on day one, and they are not wrong. Uh, but the point is that I really love the moment-to-moment gameplay in Destiny, and now that a lot of the kind of player-unfriendly bullshit is, have, has been removed or streamlined, uh, I'm, I'm super willing to try it again. Now, briefly, The Taken King. Obviously comes out next Tuesday. I don't know if comes yes. out is the right word for it, but everyone will be able to play it beginning next Tuesday. What are, the, king. what are the big changes for that? You already mentioned, obviously, how it ties into 2.0 a little bit. Yeah, well, it's it's you know it's the continuation of the story. Um, it features uh, you know the first original stuff with Nolan North as Ghost, uh, who has already been who has already in the new update replaced all of Peter Dinklage's lines. Yeah, we actually uh, curated a comparison video today yeah. that was like side by side. Then and I got to tell you, I I prefer Dinklage. I think I think both performances have their merits. Because um, Dinklage sounds more like a robot. Dinklage sounds more like a robot, and Dinklage sounds more alien. Yeah, I think like and there's people a- are like, "Oh, we got that inflection wrong," and I'm like, "Yeah, but there's something kind of fitting about some of the inflections he gets, you know, quote unquote wrong." Uh, Nolan North's uh, Ghost is a much more is a much warmer performance. He's conversational, very conversational, very. Uh, emotionally involved in the happenings, yeah, so like, yeah. so and like a lot of people are saying it's that's better, and it is. See, I feel, I mean, I feel like for the character, he's not even a character; it's a piece of machinery. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you need that coldness a little bit from a piece of machine. I think there's merit to that, but like, also part of me like, I played those le- those scenes and those levels yeah. so many so times I that I feel like somebody, um, I think it was someone on Kotaku uh, in a Kotaku article about it described it as. Um, uh, Peter Dinklage Stockholm syndrome that we've like played these levels so many so often and like his be. his line readings are so ingrained in our heads yeah, yeah. that like we just we're they're you're familiar like, so we you're don't like, like that's to the way they're supposed yeah, to sound exactly yeah. so to me you know, like, yeah like you know we've woken the hive like to me that's how that line's supposed to yeah, sound yeah. you know like, like even if it's supposedly a bad read but like so get, Nolan North's gonna get take some getting used to 
Um, I, I wonder if it would have been smarter to make him a new character, yeah. a new ghost. Maybe you get a different ghost. But then they have to rework. Like, then you redo all, the all that and, and everything. Yeah. Then why do you have the old ghost and the if you redo right. an old mission? I don't. You know, I get it, but like, it's going to be interesting to to <coughs> excuse me to see how people uh, accept the new ghost. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at. Uh the the comparison video on Sifted to see what people are saying about it. I just know for me personally, I prefer after watching that I prefer Dinkins more. But again, well, I think you're in it the could be a familiarity thing where I'm just more familiar with him, and that's what I assume the ghost sounds like at this point. And I'm sure, there's some kind of goofy psychology going on in inside my mind that's like making me think that way. But uh, Nolan North, he voices freaking everything. There's another part of it too. Is just it's like. Why is there just this one guy that voices everything it's in video Just games? one guy. Troy Baker does some things <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I think it's crazy <laughs> though. Like, it's. I mean, I think it's just because you know what you're gonna get. And and the other thing, of course, Nolan North has tremendous range. No, he's a look, he's a great voiceover. But he guy, goes but... in, and everybody just asks for Drake, and so yeah. that's what you get. You know, like. And I think he's, you know, he's at least not doing his the default Drake voice in this one. He, he, but you can tell it's him because you know, yeah, he has he's a, a human being. <laughs> he's a human being. He sounds like he sounds. He has that yeah. warm yet crisp timber to his voice, and yeah. you always know Nolan North. I mean, Nolan North is one of the, I think, one of the soldiers on my mother base in Metal Gear. Yeah. And every time I hear, him, I'm like, oh, Nolan North. There he is. Yeah, I hear him too all the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I don't mean. I don't mind. You know, it's not like I get thrown out of the movie when I see Tom Cruise, and I know I've seen Tom Cruise before. Right. Uh, but I, I, I understand why some people are just like, oh my god. I'm the one thing that's weird is how sometimes like it looks, you know, I love Troy Baker. Troy Baker's a great voice actor, but I don't know why they keep making his characters look like him. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> so, well, I mean, he's a fine-looking young man, but like... At a certain point, you're like, why does Revolver Ocelot kind of look like Troy Baker? Because it does. Because it they is. motion capture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But at a certain point, it's. it's oh. my mic. But yeah, so I guess one thing I would say is based upon what you just said to me, Matt, like, I seriously don't think I'll still go back and play more Destiny. Like, a lot of the things that you're talking about are pretty small tweaks. Like, you said you like the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, but I got really burned out on just fighting the same guys over and over with the same AI. And I, I would... I mean, Destiny is weird to me. I, I it's would an, think, here's the thing. Destiny I that, is an I, MMORPG. Yeah. And I think people who really end up loving Destiny a lot of times really liked World of Warcraft at one point or some other MMORPG. Those games have never resonated with me. I've mm -hmm. never liked MMORP. We've talked. We've talked yeah. about it on the show before. About I mean, I'm not a huge fan either. But like to me, it was you played World of Warcraft back in the day for quite a while, though. Yeah, but part of that was because Morgan told me to. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah, and I enjoyed it for what it was. But I never got super hooked on any yeah. of those games. I didn't get super hooked on Destiny really. For what and look, they it's not even to fair to compare Destiny to World of Warcraft no. as far as like the gameplay and the exactly. combat is concerned. Well, because the gameplay of Destiny is what kept hooking it's me. Is better. And I mean, that, I would yeah. sit there during the load screens, and be like, "Why am I playing this? Like, what yeah. am I still doing this for? I'm not. It's not going to drop the fucking thing. I'm not, yeah. It's not going to happen." <laughs> and like, but then I get in, into a game. And I'd get that, like, you know, that little crystal shot on the torso of a yeah, Vex. Yeah. And I'm just like, this game is awesome. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like that, like, that satisfying, like, pop of the head or, or a yeah, weak shots, spot on, yeah. on one of those guys. Or one of those, like, big Warhammer kind of, like, Warhammer yeah. guys. Like, you just, like, pop the head and, like, all this stuff comes out. I'm like, every single time it was, like, a little, it it was that little <laughs> dopamine explosion. Every single time. And That's was, what it is. And it was, it was, uh, it was addicting. It was great. I, I enjoyed it. And at a certain point, I was just like, you know, after... 
Zer screwed me one last time by not selling the shit I needed for that weekend. I was just like, yeah. well, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I still, I, I still feel that way. Well, I'll be interested to get your report once you have time to play it. Yeah, because I think after right, Taken King comes out and you, ch- you have a chance to play that, I'm going to rely on you yeah. to decide whether I <laughs> am going to jump back in or not. Well, I think you're right when you say that they're pretty small tweaks, but for me, small tweaks are all I needed right. to kind of start enjoying it again. And so. I think for me and a lot of people who played it maybe until they finished the campaign and didn't go back, I think probably they need something a little more. But yeah. we'll see. Maybe there are other things buried that we don't know. Maybe the story in, the, in Taken King is going to be really cool. It could maybe, be. Maybe they Because really the story in the original it. Destiny pretty much sucked. Yeah, I don't really... I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Really. What story is probably yeah. the better way to put it. So we'll see. Taken King comes out next week. We don't have to wait long to figure out how it all shakes out. You'll be able to start playing the 2.0 stuff tomorrow. So yeah. probably next week's show will have at least a little bit of an update on that. So... Got a little bit of news today about the old Xbox One. It's been, you know, it's been a great story for the Xbox One in the West. You know, it's uh, while it's it is getting its butt beat pretty good by PlayStation Four. It's still outselling Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty by several magnitudes. So, all things considered, Xbox One is doing great. But today was the one-year anniversary for Xbox One in Japan, Matt. And any guesses at how many consoles? And have you? I don't know if you've seen the show graphics yet or not. Mm. But any guess at how many consoles they've sold in Japan in the first year of the Xbox One's life? I'm going to say sub 100K. That's right. They've sold 60K consoles in the first year. Xbox done. (laughs) Nice. Um, 60K consoles. That's not a lot, even even for a smallish island (laughs) nation. Man. So here's the question. What is, why can't Microsoft, why, why doesn't, you know, they've had that problem in Japan for a while. But I mean, not on this magnitude. But Well, Xbox 360 did pretty well okay. out of the gate. Like, it did well enough to rationalize staying in the territory. Mm-hmm. But do you, think it, do you think 360 did well, well on the level they were expecting with, like, getting Mistwalker in there exclusively? Oh, no. Oh, of course not. I mean, when they signed those big JRPGs to Xbox, I'm sure they thought they had at least a puncher's chance. Yeah. At least. Like... And look, Microsoft, at that point, was still really arrogant. I mean, I feel like Microsoft has softened a little bit over time because, like, some of the stuff that Phil Spencer says now, like, congratulating Sony on their sales and, you know, when a good exclusive comes out for PlayStation 4, he's always like, that's a great game. I wish we had it on our plat. Like, it, Microsoft never used to be that way. And maybe yeah. it's all Phil just being a human being, but Microsoft used to be the cocky guy. They'd be like, screw you if... People like what you built better. They're stupid. Like, that was essentially, like, what their stance was. And so we've seen a softening over time of Microsoft, at least their public stance. Privately, who knows what they're saying. But this is just beyond. 60,000. I mean, look, Japan is a rough market right now for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for instance, we just got the sales figures for Metal Gear Solid Five. its first week in Japan. It sold 500,000 copies across all platforms. It's the fifth best-selling Metal Gear Solid ever in Japan as far as the mm. first week. Fifth. It sold worse than Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Wow. Revengeance had a better first week than Metal Gear Solid 5 in Japan. That platinum reputation. And that wasn't even that long ago no. that Revengeance came out. So what we're seeing is a market that's quickly fading shifting very in hard japan to mobile. yeah i mean it certainly is and so right now we're watching like for instance i went to the xbox japan youtube channel to try to figure out like what 
how are they promoting stuff there? What you know is is it something that they're doing that's impeding their success? <laughs> are the lab coats not and crisp sh- enough? And sure enough, this is the type of stuff that I found. Like just really bizarre. And look, Japan. A lot of promotional media in Japan is kind of bizarre, but. They're promoting. They went One to, million troops. Exactly. But look, they went through all this expense and time to promote Scream Ride, a roller coaster simulator. And the rest of the, the media that they have for Xbox games are just trailers from America with like Japanese dubbed over top of them. So, look, I don't know how big of a bet they've placed there really at this point. I mean, obviously launching the platform in the territory is a big bet all onto its mm-hmm. own. But it doesn't look like they're dumping a ton of money into marketing at this point, um, with with good reason, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, I don't know if you remember the photos of the launch of the Xbox One in Japan, but <laughs> they had like the Wasn't usual like the block, no. Know? Well, there was like nobody, like, yeah. and they had like the rope set up out front, and there was just <laughs> no one. So, you know, it did really poorly out of the gate. It's, it needs an idol master. It, it, Maybe it is something like that that turns a tide. Like they get well, that some was of... what the Idol Master on 360 was like the highest selling DLC in Japan right. for anything yeah. ever. Yeah, I did really and well. That was a t- I think to get all the Idol Master 2 DLC on the on the on, on the 360, it cost something like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, huge gold mine. Yeah, yeah. So, maybe, but that's now moving over to PS4 because or mobile. Of, yeah. So and Vita. And so Vita, they'd rather put that on the Vita than the they'd Xbox rather put one. anything on the Vita than on Xbox One at this point. So what do you do if you're Microsoft now? With That's this? the question. Like, do you stay? Do you go? I mean, and they start thinking about if you go, there will be trouble. Yeah, <laughs> if you stay, there will be double. <laughs> and then you start thinking about the next generation. Like, do you bother launching there? I don't. I feel. And like, at that like, point, the market may be so small. Yeah. Will anybody launch? Like, I'm really starting to wonder if, like, video game consoles will even launch in Japan in, like, two generations. Yeah. Is, it, is there, like, you know, is, is it that inertia or that kind of tradition of, like, you know, the game console, you know, notwithstanding pre-84 video game crash, because of Nintendo, you think of video game consoles come from Japan. Right. You know? Yeah. And the idea of not having your console in Japan used to sort of be the idea, like, well, then you're not a real console. You know? Right. And, and, but now... You know, is the is the market big enough and global enough that it you don't, don't need Japan you don't need anymore. to worry about Japan anymore? I mean, Microsoft's making a killing. Yeah, <laughs> they aren't making any money in Japan. But then, like, do you also torpedo yourself? And it's like, what if you know? Not that it's huge, a huge thing. But like, what if Microsoft didn't release in Japan? Would they still have scale bound? You know, would you still be able to get Japanese developers to work on your system? Yeah, because it's just money. There's, there's money there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just a cash play. That yeah. wasn't like. <laughs> Platinum being like, we really want to make a game for the fifty thousand Xbox One owners in Japan. Like, some of those guys are going to be very grateful, though. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only players in Japan who really play Western games are developers. Like, the mm. people who make games in Japan are the ones who might be interested in an Xbox One. But I wonder how many ex- American expatriates like have those Xbox. One I'm games guessing there. five thousand of those sales <laughs> are Americans who are living in Japan yeah. who bought it, but. Man, it is just awful. Like I've, I can't remember a console doing this poorly in Japan. Like that had the force of marketing behind it that Xbox One does, and makes you wonder what the, what the trick is. They still have shelf space over there. Like you go to game stores, and they still have a good third of the shelf space. Like, which would lead you to believe that Microsoft is greasing some palms over there for with the retailers. Like, 
why else would you keep the shelf space in there? there? Like, if you went there towards the end of the GameCube era, you could tell Nintendo was definitely not greasing palms because, like, they would have, like, literally one little dinky rack and maybe, like, five consoles there for sale. So, you know, at this point... It's probably too late for them to pull Xbox One out of Japan, but I really the reason I want to talk about this is just will you know in the future not just for Xbox One, but will these console manufacturers even ten years from now is it will it even be viable to release a console in Japan because it's really not at this mm-hmm. point. I mean the Wii, like, like even Sony. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean Sony's done terrible too by if, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. It hasn't done great at all. I mean, that's evidenced by the Metal Gear numbers more than anything. Yeah, so I, I feel like well, with, the, with the Japanese market shift to so hard to mobile, it's so hard to mobile, I, like there's pr- probably no way to recover that. And then with, you know, with the console market opening up in China, like I feel like that's going to more than make up for whatever you might lose by not being in Japan. So maybe, yeah. maybe you're right. Like maybe, well, maybe... China does all PC, which they're finding out now. Is that, mm-hmm. you know, China's not buying consoles. Like they're sticking to their PC games and going to their internet cafes. So Asia just seems like, unless you're playing like League of Legends, mm. they don't care. Yeah. And that's a PC game. So I don't know. It's not looking good in what I consider the cradle of video games. Yeah. And that's really discouraging to think about that there may be not too long from now a day where there are no consoles released in Japan. Yeah, which is what really an interesting twist considering the you know the pre this generation and everybody was like, oh, consoles are dead. Consoles are dead. No one cares about consoles. Uh, no, yeah. not true. No uh, one in Japan. Tons does. of people care about consoles, <laughs> but it's all in the West. Yeah. And now Tokyo Game Show is coming up. That will be a good barometer for Japan's yeah. industry. Although, you know, if you look at the floor plan of that, it's almost all mobile. I'm just hoping to find out one way or the other on Persona, Persona 5. Like That's the big question mark yeah. coming up for TGS. I think everybody's wondering the same thing. I mean, there's a, there's a Secret Square Enix game that they're showing for the first time that mm-hmm. was kind of shown in a like, trailer for their TGS. What about Kingdom Hearts 2.9? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Another LinkedIn leak there. So, all right, I think it's time to move on to our last topic of the big six. So, gaming's changing, Matt. We have people on YouTube making $8 million a year. Uh, We have live streamers making their living sitting at home, streaming video games while other people watch it. Well, even pop culture dorks who have no clue what they're talking about, like Jimmy Kimmel, have picked up on it. And so... This week, Jimmy Kimmel ran like a funny little thing where he basically can't understand why people want to watch other people playing video games. And in all honesty, like the, this little segment that you're seeing right now is really funny. Like yeah. they end up nailing it. They do the whole like, how far do you take it? Where you have a guy watching a guy. Here it is: a guy watching a guy <laughs> watching a guy and a god and God watching that guy. I thought it was really funny, and yeah. so. Basically, yeah. third watch. <laughs> third watch. <laughs> and then yeah, I think eventually it goes. Yeah, it goes to God, who is watching everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really funny. It's really clever. Like I feel like they really kind of tapped into it. They didn't really like rag on gamers, but what happened was they posted the archive of this video to YouTube, and the gamers went crazy and went after Jimmy Kimmel and his show. And a lot of it was a lot of the same arguments, like. 
the one argument they always use is like, well, why do you watch live sports instead of playing the sport? Like, when they try to explain away why people like to watch people playing video. Because I can't do that. Right, because I don't have 25 people <laughs> yeah. waiting to play football or 10 people, and I don't have a basketball court and a football yeah. field. Like, But that's the argument that they trotted out over and over. Mm. And, like, literally, like, some of the stuff they said to Jimmy Kimmel, like, oh, it yeah. made us look really, really bad, man. And that's the thing. Is it, mm. like... Those are the a lot of times. Those are the people who are watching the less players are the toxic, like aggravating people in on YouTube or the ones who well, watch. Well, I mean, you've the seen Twitch players. chat, right? I mean, our Twitch chat is a very weird thing. It is. And you're right. It's full of like adults who are speaking respectfully to one another. Yeah, it's always funny after we finish the broadcast. Like I have to wrap stuff up here and like get things ready to like work on the archive and get the archive up on the site but eventually I'll always go back to like my iPad or my iPhone that I was using for the chat and I'll kind of scroll back through the whole chat mm-hmm. to make sure I didn't miss any like questions from a subscriber or anything like that and it is crazy how awesome the chat is in our yeah. streams I, I mean a part of it probably is that we don't have like a massive audience watching and I'm sure that helps a good bit but the people who come into our streams are definitely far more respectful than than what you typically get but what you're seeing here are the people going after Jimmy Kimmel, and it is not pretty. And I'm sure they didn't print a lot of like the worst ones, even though the ones that they did show on the show yeah. were really bad. And so he came back with that. Yeah, there you go. Get cancer. There's there's a, get brain cancer. Like, yeah, the cancer montage. Yeah, yeah there's get AIDS. <laughs> get AIDS. Yeah. So you know, good job, gamers, making people like Matt and I and the people watching this stream look great. And so. What happened was Jimmy took all this abuse from all these users and then on a third segment he actually had a couple of the streamers come on the show and explain to him what streaming is all about, what the audience is about and uh, he even kind of, the girl that you see on the right there even kind of busts her cojones a little bit because he like starts going through some more Twitter comments and he pulls hers up where she's <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, he still brought her on the show, and so they watch like a, a VR live stream. And then they actually live stream themselves. They play some Rocket League. So, Matt, what is it about live streaming that it's it's just like there's a certain cutoff of people that just can't seem to get it? I don't know. I mean, I don't quite get it. I mean, I that's the thing right. is, like, we're in that group that yeah. doesn't really get it. Like because it's like you know the whole like why don't you just why don't you play football? Why don't you play? Uh, well, like. It's like, kind of like I I do understand why I wa- like I watch Evo on stream or like you know like tournaments and stuff where like it's like yes these guys are doing things I can't right do which is why I watch which sports, is why I watch sports because yeah. the players in right. these games are way They're better than I ever was you know? yeah are they you know like at, you know Street Fighter like you know the, that's why I watch or even even stuff that's more casual like uh, you know the adventures of uh, Gutex and Mike Ross where it's excellent adventures where it's like. Those two guys are way better at Street Fighter than I'm ever going to be, even yeah, after yeah. 25 years. So it's fun to watch them do stuff. But like most live stream stuff is not that. It's no. just people playing games very casually and hanging out and talking and all that. Yeah. And like, I don't really care about that. And so to me, that's not that's not a valid argument. Like, why don't you just why don't you go do this? Well, because I I do do that myself. I do just go play a game rather than that. But I kind of, you know, we, I think we've talked before about how, like, you know, some, we're lucky in that we have friends and, you know, people who, who also play games. We can always find people in real life to go hang out with, either play games or talk about them or whatever. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have that and find that in these live streams. And so I think that's one of the reasons you see people 
reacting so virulently and toxically to this is this the idea of questioning how you know because I thought that skit was funny like I th- you know I think you got to be able to laugh at that you know because frankly any hobby is ridiculous. Do you if you're think super that's the it. root of the whole problem though? Is that a lot of gamers take themselves way too seriously and cannot ever be made fun of? Possibly. I mean. Yeah, I, I, you hear the whole the whole kind of narrative about like how it's a refuge from bullying or it's a refuge from being an outcast or nobody else likes this and I found a community online that does so I don't feel like I'm as alone. But the, like, is it the, aren't these people doing to other people exactly what they detest? They're trying to bully other people. Somewhat, but I think the uh, like the the impetus of it is like it becomes something that you can't they can't joke about because it's too much of a lifeline and. While I get that, like, you know, my whole career has kind of been about making fun of games, talking about them lightheartedly, kind of having it be something you enjoy. But I think, you know, there's a real thing that a lot of people have about having these outsiders in their world. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, I I try not to have that attitude. Sometimes I do. I had it a little bit on Force Friday when I was standing in line with like 300 other quote-unquote Star Wars fans yeah. and I'm thinking back to like the episode one merchandise launch where there was like 30 people and I'm like look in 15 years geek stuff has gotten so huge and you know, can't go to a nerd convention or anything without just being you know swamped by See, people. See I've done that at, at concerts for bands that I really like yeah, where a, I've followed them group. for like years and years and I you know I've bought all their albums, but then suddenly something happens and like they become big and mm-hmm. they get this new influx of fans and you go to the concert and like, you know, these people are like elbowing you or they're not paying attention to the show or they're like watching the whole show through their cell phone. Like I get defensive over it. Mm-hmm. Like, and so there is like a, a semblance of like that innate, I don't even know what you would call but you it. Prob- like, you probably don't want the guy holding the cell phone up to get cancer. No, no. And I would never <laughs> like, say anything yeah. like that. But I get, like, annoyed by it. Right. By their it's behavior. Me too. me too. But, yeah, of course, I'm never going to go and, like, say the things that people said to Jimmy Kimmel. And so what is it, though, about, like, our... And I almost hate to say our, like... Yeah. Because I don't want to really be associated with people who know. do if, stuff like if, that. If I knew the answer to that, I would probably be doing it. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what makes you want to say that to someone um i reser- but it's not even what they say it's just that they're they get so defensive over gaming that mm-hmm. it compels them to act in this way yeah i mean i think it's you know it's an important part of some people's lives important part of you know people who like identify as gamers as like you know, we've seen a lot of that in the but last the irony year. is that, is that when you're watching somebody else play games here's a little surprise for you you're not a gamer <laughs> Yeah, but they, um, do they? Do you you think, are a spectator. It's you, like I don't call myself an NFL player when I watch an NFL game. But when the Steelers win, do you say we won? I don't actually. Okay. I know a lot of people do do that. Okay, though. well you're 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 sane. So yeah. <laughs> no, but I know a lot of people that do. A lot do of people that. do that. Yeah. yeah, it's like we won. It's like yeah. well, you didn't win. You were you didn't do anything. You watched it on TV. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. But like, there's that feeling of identity, and like when someone like sits there and says like this thing is stupid, like some people are going to take that as a personal attack, and. It's, you know, on one hand it's ridiculous, but on the other hand it's human nature. And the main thing is... But I don't is, think it's human nature to react in that no, way. No, the main thing is, like, when you get upset about that, you should probably just go back and do, do the it. hobby. Go do it! Rather than, like, um, decide to yell at Jimmy Kimmel on the internet. You yeah, know what I, mean? I mean, I'm still convinced that a lot of people that watch Let's Plays are just people who can't afford games or 
people who are too young to be oh, able yeah. to, to buy the M-rated When I was game. a kid and all I had to play over and over again was the Game Gear version of Shinobi to the point that I could play it without getting hit. Like, yeah, I would have watched live streams yeah, all the time too of all these too. games that I couldn't afford or ga- maybe games that you aren't allowed to buy or play because they're M-rated or whatever. That's but, what but, I'm saying. But mom and dad don't know that you're that watching you're on the YouTube thing watching on the YouTube. someone yeah. play all the way through Phantom Pain or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think um, that's a big part of it. I and look, so. I understand that as well. Just like you, when I was a kid growing up, my family wasn't rich. Like, I got, like, a couple games a year, and they were always, like, my birthday or Christmas or whatever. And so mm-hmm. a big part of playing as many games as possible was having somebody else who had a Genesis while I had a Super Nintendo or, and trading those consoles for a few months at a time so we could play each other's games, like, which I kind of liked, that whole community part yeah. of it. But, you know, it was never like this. But I, I could understand now why kids would be like, if I was, if there was such a thing as Let's Plays back then, I would watch them, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Because there, it's, you're at least experiencing these games a little bit. Even yeah. if not fully, you are kind of living vicariously through the people who are playing them a little mm-hmm. bit. And if you find somebody you like, I can, I can understand why kids are, are into Let's Plays, totally. But when you start getting up over the age of, like, eight or nine or even maybe even younger than that that's where it starts to get a little dicey because i mean you can see well maybe the grammar isn't great but you can definitely tell that some of the people writing this stuff they're not like eight-year-old kids like they're like teenagers and like 20 year old people like and to me that's where i get scary is Mm. when you basically have an adult who is acting out in this sort of way but it is the internet but they you know medical science tells us that your brain doesn't fully develop until the mid-20s and like you know one of the last things to kind of fully form is the part of your brain that understands consequences. Yeah. Which is one reason when you're a teenager, you do things that now we look back and I'm just like, holy crap, how am I not dead? Yeah. From that? <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. and you know, I'm, st- I'm sure that that applies to internet comments as well. It's just like, you know, and you see this, it's not just a gaming thing. Because like you see, you know, these kids that kill themselves because people like harass them online, you know, their friend, friends, like, you know, classmates or people they know or whoever, like harass them online until they have no safe place to turn kind of yeah. thing. Like, you know, people don't think about the consequences consequences anyway. And then if you're a teenager and you don't have any, you know, your brain doesn't isn't fully formed in the consequence department yet. And then on top of that, you do it with that kind of screen of not anonymity, but like that screen of sort of detachment from between the computer and the internet and the other person. Like, it, I'm, I can totally see how it would become simple to just sort of behave that way and, and detach yourself from the consequences that would be attached to that if you behave that way to someone in person. Yeah. You know, because clearly you're not actually going to tell Jimmy Kimmel to his face as he walks out of his, you know, out of his studio oh, no. to get cancer and oh, AIDS. No. Like, no one's going to do that. No, but like keyboard warriors. But, like, it's just, you know, I think that's just part of that that world. And we don't, you know, we're on the we're on the tail end, the, the front end of that. You know, we remember a, a, a world without the internet. You yeah. Know? We, thank God, all of our... Uh, all of our youthful indiscretions are not on YouTube for yeah. our children to find <laughs> one day and exactly. be like, well, you can't tell me not to smoke that because look at this video. Don't tell me to wear a helmet because yeah. like, look at this thing where you jumped off the roof. You know, it's, right. it's, it's, you know, it, it's a different world for these kids. It is, for sure. But I still feel like... Uh, I don't think that excuses that It behavior, definitely doesn't, yeah. But it's just one of those things where at this point, you know, and I don't know, like, do you think like... Do we have to accept that this is going to happen periodically now? Like, is like what's going to happen? Like that type of a reaction? Yeah. Or? Someone's going to say something. Someone, people on the internet are going to like it, and you're going to get this crazy sort of death threat. Yeah, I think you are going to have to accept that. Yeah, like there's no real. I think solution. it's only going to get worse. In all yeah. honesty, 
as people become more and more isolated by technology. Because that's the irony of technology is that technology rarely seems to be built to bring people together. It always seems True. to be built for people to be... It's sold on that. Yeah, but it never but it's is. It's not used that way. Yeah, it's always used for people to be isolated but not bored. And until that paradigm shift happens... What? Man, you could just slap that on a picture of someone in a VR helmet right now. Yeah. <laughs> Isolated, but not bored. Yeah. <laughs> and until that paradigm shift changes in philosophy of entertainment, like I just think mm-hmm. it's going to keep getting worse. Like I've got an image in my head of like people in like a VR bar where everybody's just laying in like dentist chairs yeah. with these things on, oh, yeah. and like you've got like two circles, and like and the two circles like these two people are really angry at each other. Yeah, it's like, but it's all we the- all came here to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> We came here to be alone together so we yeah. can play the same game yeah. together. But alone. I know you're there. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> it gets so twisted, Matt. It really does. It's like, why don't you just get up and go punch him? Yeah. He's right there. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I I, don't know. It's going to get weirder. It's, I don't know if it's going to get worse, but it's going to get weirder. VR is going to make stuff really weird. There's yeah. going to be this odd fringe, I think, that's just going to... Because, really, you could just... Not even have a real life anymore. Yeah. You can have this fake life that is totally absorbing. And there, like I've mentioned before, yeah. like once Facebook gets a hold of VR, which, I mean, they've already got a hold of it, but once they integrate VR into Facebook, and so you're visiting people like mm-hmm. virtually through Facebook. Or like, like, like Netflix wants to have it be like you go sit in a virtual theater with all your friends and watch, watch a movie. Watch it with the, like, people are never going to leave their house. Yeah. Well, Then Amazon has the drones coming to your door so you don't have to go out and buy anything anymore. Like, well, you know, there's, insane, there, is an actu- there is an actual, like, speculative, you know, it's not, a, I wouldn't call it a scientific theory or anything, but it's like, it's a hypothesis that, like, um, you know, because everybody has those questions about, like, you know, if, if, the, if life is so common in the universe, where is everybody? Like, how right. come we've only seen it? And one of the actual, uh, like, hypotheses is that at a certain point, a civilization develops basically VR, the Matrix, basically, and everybody jacks into that thing, and exploration stops. Yeah. And, like, you know, and somewhere, so that out there in the galaxy, there's probably, like, you know, seven, eight dozen or so civilizations maybe but they've all plugged into this VR and world given up. and and they don't care they don't have a need anymore they don't care yeah. anymore it, it's like <laughs> it's like it. if you want to go to mars you just go right. to mars and the morpheus yeah like, that's the point yeah and you can breathe yeah <laughs> so it's it's a possibility yeah that probably should have been called our deep dive because we went pretty deep right there yeah we got serious <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's going to wrap up the big six. We do have a trailer of the week this week for you guys. And uh, it was actually Slim Pickens for trailers of the week. But the good news is, is the one we selected is really freaking awesome. And I know when I tell you what game it is, you're going to be like, oh, what? It's, well, it's Forza Motorsport 6. But don't groan or go to the bathroom just yet. This is a really... Yeah, it's a good one. This is a really cool trailer that harkens back to the old school uh, arcade days and early console days. So stick around. This is actually the TV commercial for Forza Motorsport 6. Rated E for everyone.
exclusive. So we like to have fun on Game Face, but uh, well, actually, let's talk about that trailer first. What yeah, I love about that trailer. trailer is the audio. Like they mm -hmm. pull all the sound sound effects from like pole position and like I can't even remember the name of that old racing that arcade racing game, but they showed it right at the beginning. It's just black and it has like a white outline for the mm -hmm. for the course. And then it had four wheels on the front of the arcade machine. Oh, and every time you come to a turn, you'd have to whip the wheel and let the wheel... Sprint. That's it, yeah. yeah. Like, I just love... They pulled all the best, yeah. like, old games, all the best sound effects from those games. Like, class work right there. Because let's be honest, like, they put out, like, 20 trailers for that game. And after, like, the second one, like, I was like, whatever. Yeah, cars, <laughs> like, yeah. cars, 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 cars. I know, I watched one that was cars. And then I watched one that was cars in... Rain. Yeah. And after I saw both of those, I was like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't really need to see anymore. Yeah, 3D puddles. I'm into it. But they've managed to find That's a way a to make that game look really interesting. And it's and also a way of kind of connecting it up, you know, because like some, it's so tempting and so common, especially with like Gran Turismo and stuff, kind of that whole, oh, it's a simulation of the greatest simulation of cars you'll ever see. It's a driving simulation. Like, yeah. And like, you know, even uh, that I, as someone who's interested in cars and that kind of thing, it's just like, uh, yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. But that one ties, it's tying Forza directly to all the fun and all the arcade fun. action yeah. and all the good stuff you've, you've played all through the years. Anything with wheels in video gaming with the outrun references and all that. And so that's a really good approach for it. It really makes it seem like something you want to play. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent work from whoever created that commercial. Yeah, I don't know who that was, but they should get a lot more work. Yeah, for sure. So it's time to move into our deep dive. And as I was saying just a minute ago, you know, we like to have fun on Game Face, but sometimes there are things that happen in the industry that we need to talk about that aren't so fun. And this is definitely one of those cases here. And so... There's this edutainment game that's called Playing History 2. And basically what the developers claim is that it's a video game that you're supposed to play through and learn about the history of the world. And so they've released one installment of this that focuses on slavery. And so basically it's, it's supposed to be a way for kids to learn about the truth about slavery while playing through a game and making learning fun. Well, first of all, I don't know that we should ever mix the words slavery and fun into the same sentence. No. That was probably maybe the first red flag. There, that there's, your, there's your first mistake. Yeah. Is, uh, is, is if you're going to teach, your, teach the kids about slavery, you probably don't want to cast them as the slave trader. Yeah. That's, you probably don't want to put it in a video game at all because kids, when they're young, like, you know, as you get older and you play M-rated games, you don't immediately assign fun to video games it's right. like you can there are serious games and there are th games that make you think but when you're a kid every video game you play is fun that's mm -hmm. what you play games for and that's all you're allowed to play are the quote unquote fun games because everything else is m-rated or teen rated so trying to make learning about slavery fun is was just a big mistake and the first thing we should mention is that this game was made in europe so mm. There may be some cultural tone deafness going on with this. Also, that guy's floating. Yeah. Well, so this game was a uh, basically was on Steam Greenlight, and mm. it ended up getting greenlit and going on through. And so, the base part of the game is this: it's like kind of a an adventure game where you kind of go through the world and talk to different people, and they explain things to you about how slavery worked, how it started, how it worked, and basically all the the god-awful details about it but what made this game controversial because this game was on 
steam for a while before anyone really noticed it. And then what really made the game controversial is that it has a mini game inside it that's like Tetris. And if you want to roll the footage there, Tony, of the next clip. So this clip is what really, really caused a huge uproar. And You're basically, kidding. No. So this, it's Tetris with slaves, essentially. <laughs> where you, Yeah. Wow. Where you, basically there are different, the, sh the slaves are shaped differently, and then you have to pack them into the boat like Tetris. And it's like, look at the comical sea serpent. Oh, it's insane. Jazzing it all up. It, like, yeah, what? exactly. Look at like the, the happy-go-lucky Oh my mouse. god. Oh yeah. What? Yeah, it's insane, dude. Insane. Like so, here's the thing. Once people got a, that eyeful of this, and you could take it off, Tony, I think we've seen enough of that. Once people got an eyeful of this, of course, there was like all kinds of outrage. And the developer had the balls to explain it, to try to explain it away. And he's like, oh, well, you know, our games are there to teach people. And sometimes, like, for people to remember something, it has to be shocking. Like, he was basically saying, like... I'm pretty sure that's not... Yeah. And he, like that's he that was, was basically there saying there was no human Tetris yeah. to be played well, back. That's not a learning he was, tool. He was saying is it like in order to pound a point home sometimes you need to shock people, and that was the theory that he used to explain why anyone would ever create something like that. Like, dude. So these last two stories, the Jimmy Kimmel thing, this thing, it's like. Two cases where other people are making me feel bad about playing video games. And the association of when people see stuff like this, they're like, oh, that's the way gamers are. And that's how gamers think. And, like, I feel like we almost have to take it back, man. Like, we need to start, <laughs> like, this campaign. Like, Gamergate made me feel that way, too. It's like, mm -hmm. you guys, why do you guys get to use the name Gamer in your title? Like, why can't you just be like jerk gate? Like, <laughs> why do you gotta drag me into it? And so they did eventually. They wouldn't take the game down, but the people who made the game took the Tetris mini game out of it, and then re and then put it back up on Steam where it is now without that mini game. So, I guess that's progress. Uh, well, the up the uproar over it was like, like how overwhelming. How does that get to the like how? Imagine the meetings. Yeah. The core meeting. No one, no one said. No anything one said, "Hey, <laughs> you might want to think twice about this one, because because um, wow, like what? I don't. I I, I mean, I'm I'm a little speechless. On and that, then it got through Steam Greenlight and like. And how long? It was up there for months. I don't think it was, it was that for long. A while. I think it was just like a while. Man, and like. I mean, just the depict, just the art of the characters oh, yeah. is not. Oh, I know. Particularly just kosher. like, oh yeah, like even before we showed like the Tetris mini game, just the way they drew the African characters, yeah. or it's the giant like bug oh, eyes it's awful, and stuff. I mean, that's a, like, a, well, it's like you know, and sometimes you run into that like outside of you know America, you know, the U.S. has a very, you know, you know, it has the history of slavery, it has the Civil War, it has you know, it has you know. A century of uh, you know basically social mistreatment of African Americans, yeah, and you know which is all coming to a head right now in the news. If you notice is, all this, yeah. you know, all Black Lives Matter and all that is is a, is a direct reaction to you know kind of this this problem. And outside of America, like you know that history doesn't necessarily exist. And you see things when you tra when you travel the world where you're like, oh my god, you know, like there was that store. There's a store in uh, Tokyo we found called Black Music. 
Yeah. And it is exactly what you think it is. Yeah. And some of the imagery they use in their flyers and around their store is something that would not be really be offensive allowed yeah. in America. I mean, it's just not, you know, the, the blackface idea is not something we accept in this country. Right. And it's not, it, you know, it has become clear over the years that to me that that does not carry that same stigma in, in Asia and Europe necessarily. Yeah. And so sometimes you get situations like this where like Americans will freak out about that. And I think it happened in uh, Australia. It was in, like a talent show or sort of thing in Australia where uh, there was a, a group of white Australians who performed their act was they performed a minstrel show in blackface. And they did it with an American American celebrity judge was there, and he gonged them and was just like horribly offended by it, and nobody understood. They're why. like, "What? They were great!" And they're like, <laughs> "And he's like, this is a very serious and and important thing in American history, and we do not allow that. We do not accept that. We do not think that that is something that's acceptable." And you know, so sometimes I think in this international world where you've got a lot of these games coming from all over the place, you know. On one hand, I'm shocked that anybody thought that was okay, and on the other hand, like, you know, it does. You know, I, I would be much more shocked if it was made in America because someone here would have been like, "Dude, that's not okay." Here's the but, thing: but it's but a kids game. Like, that's yeah. what you forget about when you first see that mini game. Like, this game is made for kids so they can learn about history. Yeah. One, like, how does that teach them anything about history? Like, <laughs> well, uh, you know, it teaches them something about today. Yeah, about, about, it does. You know about. That that's not gone, it's yeah. still here. Yeah. You know the fact that you would even have to ever you know ever have to see that is evidence that you know, yeah, no one owns human beings anymore, but that stigma's still there. And I mean, do know, we even know that? I, well, mean, I mean, human trafficking is... human trafficking is still a thing for sure. Yeah. But like you know the you know the peculiar institution as they call right, it, right. you know, is 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 gone. But then now you've got people trying to repeal the Fourteenth Amendment. So you know it's. It's it's a it's a it's a symptom, I would say. Here's what really bothers me: is that all the press that this game has got. And look, there are pockets. And what was what was playing history one? Yeah, I don't even want to know. Were you like handing out smallpox blankets? Yeah, that, was... <laughs> malaria popsicles. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how it could get much worse than that. But yeah. I mean, you got to realize that there are pockets of people who may think that that isn't a big deal, as you said. Not even just in Europe or around the world. Like down south in America, there's pockets mm. of people who probably just went and gave those people like money and paid for that game because they saw it and were like, oh. So there's a little bit of guilt that comes for mm. me personally of even running this in the show, but. I also feel like you just can't dodge important social issues and things like this need to be brought out. And look, if a few of our users go to that studio's Twitter account and says a few choice words to those guys, I got no problem with that. I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell you to do it, but sometimes you got to bring stuff like this out into the light so that people get the message because yeah. this guy didn't get the message. Like he fired back and was like very angry and talking about how people have stopped like thinking for themselves and like everyone's just falling in line and no one thinks about anything anymore before they... And basically saying, like, you guys are all making knee-jerk reactions about here. this, and you're not thinking about it. Like, saying, well, this could be a viable learning tool. Like, Look, when anyone, the base... Anyone, part, a large part of history is context. And, and, exactly. And, exactly. And the fact that y whoever made that... I don't want to learn history from them. Yeah, I don't either. And I don't want my kids learning history from that person. I don't want anyone learning anything no. from that person. So, so uh, yeah, 
not thinking beforehand, like, I don't think you're in the... Uh, that's pretty funny coming from someone who made Slave Tetris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like I said, I'm not going to tell you guys to do it, but, you know, I'm sure they have a Twitter handle. We, we can't stop you. Yeah, I can't. I'm not going to hold you back. <laughs> it's free country. Yeah. Anyway, well, I, internet. I think we're going to wrap up Game Face at this point. Actually, let's see if we can find maybe a, a question or two from you guys from the last couple topics that we've covered on the show. Here, Matt, maybe you can look and see if there's any good questions while I wrap up the show. Of course, we have the 20-second delay, so we'll try to give you guys a little bit of time before uh, we wrap things up. But uh, a couple updates. Um, Gamey Vowels are going to start rolling through the site very quickly. In fact, as soon as I get home from this, our Mad Max Gamey Val is waiting to go up. That'll be going up soon. Tomorrow, our Metal Gear... Solid 5 Gamey Val should be going up. Day after that, Super Mario Maker will be going up. Day after that, Until Dawn. We've got our Forza Gamey Val that's being worked on right now by a freelancer that will be up definitely before the game comes out on Tuesday. We have somebody working on Disgaea 5 right now. So the Gamey Vals are starting to, are going to start rolling out hardcore on Sifted. So we hope you guys have been enjoying them so far. You're going to be getting a deluge of them coming up in the very near future. I'm hoping we should be able to announce a new show within the next week. Um, been having problems with the guys who are creating our graphics for the show. They've been taking forever. Uh, I think we're just little guys on their palette, and said, and they work with a lot of the big networks. And so I think we're getting shoved aside a little bit here and there. Um, Matt, any questions from um, viewers? Ian Esquire wants to know if there might be a future option to gift a sifted subscription to a friend. Yep, that was actually supposed to be there at launch. It was also supposed to be part of the uh, of the original like share the earn part of earning premium. Like when you click on that little gold star that says earn, uh, there's supposed to be an option there for gift certificates. Because originally Sifted was supposed to, believe it or not, was supposed to have launched a year ago. Like the web developer had told us that it would be done a year ago, and here we are a year later. And it's still not done. And part of that plan was to have gift certificate options for people who wanted to get subscriptions for Christmas. And uh, so that's been a part of the plan from the very beginning. And uh, so, yes, it will be an option in the very near future. Uh, Grenade Artist. Hey, Benson. Uh, Have you guys finished MGS? Any thoughts if so? Well, I mean, we shared our thoughts last week. Yeah. Maybe the better question is, have our thoughts changed on the game since last week? Because we talked about that game for like an hour last week. Yeah. Um, well, Has still... your, your opinion changed at all? Not really. I mean, I, I'm still, I think I'm, what am I, I'm on like mission like 16. I mean, I, it's, it's a big game. There's a lot it to do. It is huge. Yeah. My main You're thing not is... even like halfway no, there. Not even, not even close. <laughs> but at this, at this point, my main thing right now is like mostly I'm still enjoying it, but I am hitting the point where like my development stuff is hitting like the third and fourth tier, yeah. and the wait times are really beginning to irritate me, yeah. and I don't understand why I have to wait in real time like for 48 hours while my because final command they, platform Because they want does. your command platform to finish when you finish the game. But like, They're trying to force you to time it out so that they both complete yeah, at the but same that's time. 40, I mean, 48 hours is more than my total time played right yeah. now. I mean, I, I, what am I supposed to just have them stand at Mother Base? I don't even want my turn. I don't want to leave my PlayStation 4 on that long. Yeah. And I'm not playing it. That's just like a wasted... You know, that thing... Was, you know, who knows how long that thing's going to last. And, like, it's just annoying to me that, like, there's... And it's like, 
That usually is a mechanic for when you know you're trying to get real money out of people to speed those time things yeah. up, like a free-to-play game. But you can't do that in Metal Gear Solid Five. So why is that mechanic in there? To that right. degree, I'll wait 18 minutes for something to upgrade, but I don't want to wait an hour 45. Yeah, I'm writing the game eval for it right now, and uh, I, I have finished the game. And I guess one thing I would say, just in general about it, is that there are some really low lows in the game but they're always offset by really high highs. So there are some parts of this game, and literally there is one part of this game that is one of the most annoying things I have ever encountered in the history of video games. And I'm not even exaggerating or using hyperbole or being facetious. I'm literally telling you there is something in this video game that is one of the dumbest and most <laughs> annoying things I have ever experienced in the medium, yeah. oh, ever. Yeah. And some pot, pot F2 but here they're says... they're always offset by something that's so cool and surprising that they put in the game that you're just like, oh, wow. Like, they thought of that, but they didn't realize this was stupid. Like, it's a very mm. odd game, I guess is I the best know. way to put well, it. And also, Pot F2 says, 48 hours, do you mean 48 minutes? No, I mean 48 hours. Hours. The final command platform yeah. upgrade takes 48 hours. And it doesn't count down when the game's off. It has to be on. On. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, that's the way all the platforms work. And as they go, like, it, you know, it's just like any RPG. Like, you have to get more to go up a level. And it, it's that way for, like, pretty much everything in the game. And when you're building Mother Base, like, at first, every hour or two, you can upgrade Mother Base. But eventually, it's like, okay, now you need to wait four hours before the next upgrade. Now you need to wait... 48 hours until the next upgrade. And the forward operating bases take even longer. Yeah, and some of it I just think that, you know, it's not really intended for most people to upgrade fully before the end of the game. It's for people who become obsessed with the game and want to have something to strive for while they just keep playing the same repetitive missions over and over again. Yeah, so. I would be less irritated by it if it if it counted down when the game was off. Yeah. Like, if I had to wait 48 hours real time, you know, with, you know, you know if I could sleep while yeah. I was doing it, that would be different. But the fact that it expects me to have the game on that long is yeah. just ridiculous. I guarantee that anybody watching this, when you get to that place I was talking about, you will be like, ah, and that's you, what Shane was talking about. When you, and you <laughs> haven't finished it yet. I have finished you it. You have finished yeah. it. So Okay, and so the follow-up there is, without spoilers, did you like the ending? I really didn't like the story at all. Like, I thought the story was just awful. Like, and uh -oh. also, the big reveal explanation of what's going on is just completely idiotic. It is, in my opinion, hands down the worst Metal Gear story ever. Really? Like, other ones, the stories were dumb, but they were so convoluted that I felt like I didn't know what was going on at certain points. And so, like, as not somebody who was obsessed with the series, I always assumed that, like, there was something cool going on that I just didn't get. You know what I'm saying? But with this story, it is so... It's all cut and dry. There's no mystery with it. So it really is just incredibly dumb, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and with the, do you think the Deus Ex pre-order tiers will unlock regardless of the number of pre-orders for publicity's sake? That's from Tan Indigo. Yeah, because they can totally hide, they can totally hide that, right? Yeah, it's like we'll never we'll know. We're never gonna know, right? Yeah. So and you don't want to be like, oh, you didn't pre-order enough. We're gonna have to take that away from you. Like that does not PR. It doesn't work that. I way. would say yes, they will still unlock yeah. because I'm guessing all of those things are already being manufactured, and so at this point, there's really no going back. I mean, it is still four or five months away, so yeah. Maybe they're just going now into production, so maybe they look. Here's the thing. Like, anytime you do a poll or you ask people to vote for something, 
generally all you need is the first 5,000. So if you ever run a poll, you will know the results of that poll when the first 5,000 people vote. And so when you're doing pre-orders or you're buying, you're basically voting with your money. And so they'll know, like they probably already know from the first two days whether it's going to be a success or not. And so there might be a slight chance that they actually wouldn't go through with it, but I'm betting they do. Mm. Yeah. All right. Is that it? Um, only one more. Uh, Dogface Pig asks, how do you feel towards sites that give reviews over games they don't 100%? I feel if you don't 100% a game, you don't see everything that's in the game, thus reviewing only part of the actual game. Mm, I think I would disagree with him on that one. Yeah, I think finish the game. Finish? Yeah, finish 100%. the game. 100%. 100%. I mean, that means you're... I reviewed a lot of Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, and I mean, you really want someone time. to chase down every... Every feather in Assassin's Creed before they review it. If you, I think if you, you would, did that, you would have no crackdown reviews. Yeah, still, if I, that happened, you would have one. You would never get reviews on time. But two, I think every game would get a god awful review score yeah. because mo- look, most people don't want to chase down every little right. doodad but and also, gadget like, in a game. Like, how do you hundred percent Madden? Like, do you have to yeah. finish franchise mode? I mean, you like, you finish franchise for. Review anyway. You have yeah. to at least at least two seasons because you have to see how it rolled the season right. stats roll over into the next one and everything. So, yeah, I, I no disrespect. I know you, you're one of our one of our big fans who watch the stream every week. So I got a ton of respect for you, but I I respectfully disagree with you on that one. Yeah, I think I mean if you want to, if you can, hundred percent it, go for it. Yeah, I, don't I mean look, if you have all the time to burn. If you get the game like two months yeah. before it comes out and you have that much time to do it, sure. Yeah, I have 100% of games I've reviewed, but yeah. certainly not. I, 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 my criterion is finish it. Yeah, and I would never require that of the guys who are writing Gamey Vows for Sifted. I'll never say that you have to 100% a game. I just won't because they wouldn't review games for Sifted anymore. They'd be like, dude, like I'm making like... Yeah, at a certain point, the paper hour ten gets cents into the, an yeah. hour. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to pay people like twenty grand to review one game. So, yeah, for myriad reasons, it's just not quite feasible. And in all honesty, mm-hmm. I don't think reviews that would that were taking into account like tedious collecting, which is what most people consider it, yeah. would be good for the end user. I don't think people want game evaluations. That and I can't think of a game that I've. You know, hundred percented where my opinion of it really changed. After I tracked down between, all the crap, yeah. after I finished the okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week's game face. Like I said, look out for all those gamey vows coming. Look out for the new show announcement. I know I've been saying that for forever, but it really <laughs> should be coming very, very soon. So, thanks for watching the stream, to everybody who may have stayed up in Europe tonight, and for everyone around the globe. We really appreciate it. We'll see you here next week. Game face is up and out. Thank <laughs> you.